I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> you you really doing great, sir. I bless God for your life. Thank you and so I much. I thank God for, for the heart of generosity and your depth of truth. And the truth is that you are meant for the hour, you are meant for the season. I believe God has raised you for a time such as this, Doctor BT3. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. First of all, thank you so much for uh, inviting me on your platform and your stage. I really, really appreciate the honor uh, to be on to speak to your to your audience. Um, I am really excited about today's broadcast. Uh, I've been praying about this. I've been uh, jotting some things down. I've been uh, just really this is something that is really near and dear to my heart. Um, that is the Apostolic Reformation. Um, we are celebrating uh, I believe my 23rd or 24th year in ministry. Um, as you mentioned earlier, we have an accredited school. I told school. you all, I told you all, <laughs> there is a patron of faith coming out. Longevity play a role coming out. People that have been there for 23 years, they have something to say to you. Yes. They have experience, you know, something to say to young uh, stars like us, upcoming ministers like us, who just there a few, few months, few years. <laughs> so come on now, you I was going to say, I know I only look 25, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, I'm a little bit older than 25, but um, uh, my wife and I will be celebrating 15 years of marriage actually next week, uh, and so, yes, yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes. 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 So, um, so that's next week. Uh, I have two two biological sons. Uh, we've traveled abroad, uh, written several books. You know, I, I, this always makes me uncomfortable because I don't want to feel like I'm bragging on myself. But um, <laughs> yes, ma'am. And so. I, Sure. Well, I mean, ministry is is like it's 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 unlike anything else. Um, it's daunting. It's exciting. It's scary. It's fun. It's fulfilling. Um, it is it is all of those things wrapped up in one. Um, but the but the but the thing that I think sets it apart sets it apart from anything else is that is it is a call of God on your life that you cannot escape, and so. You can get married, divorced, change churches, move out of state, move in town, move out around, but you cannot escape the call of God on your life. And so um, 23 years has been, uh, it's been a ride. It's been a journey. I've, I've learned a lot about God. Uh, I've learned a lot about myself and I've learned a lot about people. 
Um, and I, I'm, I, I've come to the place where I'm going to continue to stay postured to always be open to learn and to grow. Um, because that's what really life is about, is about learning and growing. But um, there's just certainly we've seen miracles. We've seen signs. We've seen wonders. We've seen uh, we've seen so many things, healings. We've seen we've seen breakthrough deliverance. I mean, uh, and we've also seen uh, tears and, and hurt and pain uh, and devastation uh, and all of those things. So uh, it's by the grace of God that we're here. And um, I'm just honored to be on. Uh, with you uh, today. Janice, like she just giving you a victory shout all the way from wherever she is. She's on. I know that's your girl right there. That's your baby. Jane, I'm Apostle. So Apostle, this has been in my mind uh, uh, before I let you teach because I really want you to teach. And I also want to talk about your, your school where you empower leaders. I really want you to teach. question I, I i was i was waiting for this question right um first of all before we even get into apostolic reformation uh just allow me to kind of set it up and give some definition to really why why it why it came into existence uh and exactly what the root word of apostolic is um, and I know this may seem very basic and fundamental, but I think it's important to the conversation. Um, the word apostolic reformation, let's, like I said, dial it back and let's just look at the word apostle. Um, the word apostle is not a churchy term. It was not a word that you saw in the Old Testament. Uh, it was a new word, so to speak, that we see in the New Testament uh, when Jesus comes on the scene. Uh, it's a Greek word, and it means literally to one that is sent with authority, one who is sent with a, a particular, a special message. Um, a synonym for that word apostle is an emissary uh, or a special, special messenger. Um, and so when we talk about the apostolic reformation, um, the word apostolic becomes an adjective that deals with the characteristics that are derived from the gift or the anointing or the mantle uh, of a sent one. Uh, that is a, an apostolic gift. Uh, and so in Matthew chapter 10, 
we see the advent where Jesus calls his disciples together um, and he calls them apostles before they cast out one devil, before they heal one sick person, before they do any special sign, miracle or wonder. He calls them apostles. Um, and I believe. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Um, it, yes, it, from a macro level, absolutely. Um, and so, and, and so, let me let me keep going because I, I think this is that's a very good question. And so, as as Jesus commissions them in Matthew chapter number ten, and he says, "I want you to go cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, and preach the kingdom of God." Uh, and those are what we know as the 12 foundational apostles. Uh, just speeding up just a little bit, we see that um, throughout the New Testament and onward, they learned lessons, etc., and etc. But they were responsible for carrying the message of the kingdom of God. Um, and I think that when we talk about apostolic reformation, we have seen different reformations throughout the church age, throughout history. Uh, Martin Luther uh, is an example when he begins, he's probably one of the most popular um, reformers in the church in the 1500s uh, when he nailed the 95 theses uh, on the door and broke off and was literally considered a heretic from the Catholic or the universal church uh, and, and really kickstarted the Protestant movement. And so we've seen reformation all throughout church history. Um, with even C. Peter Wagner, uh, who passed away probably four or five years ago. Um, but he really began to pioneer this uh, in the 80s and in the 90s uh, with a book called Church Quake. Some of you are familiar with it. Talked about new wineskins uh, and, and so forth and so on. And so apostolic reformation, as I understand it, um, is literally a paradigm shift that the church undergoes that and it's going to sound kind of contradictory that the church advances towards the origination of God. Um, and I know, again, that sounds a little weird because when you even bring in the word, when you begin to bring in the word reformation, the word reformation only appears in the Bible one time. Uh, and that's in Hebrews chapter nine, uh, when the writer of Hebrews is telling us about the times of reformation to the time of reformation. And the Greek word there, reformation, literally means to to straighten. Okay, it means to be uh, brought back into a place that where there was disorder or chaos or things were not in order. There needed to be a reforming, right? A reshaping, a reformation where things are brought back into its original intent. And, and so when we talk about apostolic reformation uh ephesians chapter 2 tells us that the church was built upon the foundation of the apostle and the prophets and jesus christ himself being the chief cornerstone uh also in ephesians i think chapter 1 um i believe the, the scripture tells us about how that the the time maybe it was chapter 3 how that how that 
God began to reveal things to his apostles, his holy apostles and prophets. And so the mystery of the church was built upon the foundation of the apostolic anointing, the apostolic grace, uh, the, coupled with the prophetic anointing and the prophetic grace as well. And, and so what I believe is that we see through generations a reformation, a reforming, like I said, that is bringing us back to the original heart and the original plan and the original intent of God. So, so, so then that means, and I, and I hope you hope, hope my audience is walking with me. So, so, so what that means is as we progress in history, listen, we're going back and rewinding further into the mind of God. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that again, as we are progressing in history in a linear way, right? We are going back in a spiritual way into the history of of the mind and heart of God. That's what apostolic reformation is, is that we are receiving revelation, we are receiving information, we are receiving data from heaven as God is downloading his heart and revealing his mind and revealing his agenda and uh, you know, uh, revealing his will to humanity to bring us back to his original thought, his original intent and bringing us back into that that we can, as believers, as the church in the earth, begin to forward and advance that agenda in the earth. That's that's the long answer to what apostolic reformation is. Wow, thank you for just simplifying that word that looks so lofty. Sometimes the church is crazy with words. <laughs> and I tell them all the time, there's nothing wrong in picking up a good dictionary and find that the meaning of words that can also give you understanding to scriptures. So Absolutely. Just hear that word and just think it's crazy. Look at the way you just lock it up into what we've been doing and not even knowing we've been working in this dynamics, in this church. My God, you're helping us and we are being audience sewing so and behind and trying to make sure that I'm inviting everybody from the globe so that we can listen to you. But everybody needs to hear this. Because this is the heart of the Father. This is what the church is all about. This is what the church is all about. My God. There's a question I want to ask. How important it is that we understand dispensation, how God deals with us in terms of dispensation and the innocence. Because if I begin to respond uh, 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 to this dispensation, the way Abraham did.
No, I do, and I appreciate it. In fact, you might save me from doing a whole Facebook Live about this and Facebook <laughs> posts about this because this is something that has been yeah. really kind of burning in me. Um, it, but it bothers me a lot. It does. We don't understand dispensation. We don't teach. A lot of believers, a lot of pastors don't understand dispensation because of that. They don't know how to change that. Right. In terms of revelation. Yes. Right. So let me talk about that because I think a better word for our understanding not is, is not dispensationalism, but it is covenant thinking. Covenant thinking. And, and here's what I mean by that. If you if you examine the scriptures, there are um, five major covenants that God made with a man or. Uh, and, and so you have the the Adamic covenant the Noahic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and of course, what we have is the new covenant or the Jesus covenant. And so when you look at... Yes, and so when you look at the God of the Old Testament, first of all, before I say that, I, I want to I make the viewers know, and, I, and this is so important that you understand, there is a difference between the Old Testament the Old Covenant, the New Testament, and the New Covenant. Those are not the same things. Those are four separate things. There's a difference between the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the New Testament, and the New Covenant. Come on, say that again, okay. sir. I'm going to say it one more time. There is a difference between the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the New Covenant and the New Testament. Those are. Someone should type that down, please. That is a note, and he's going to build on it. Type that down. Type that down. Yes, th those are four different things. And so, um, when you look at the the work of the Bible, when you look in from Genesis to Revelation, and you begin to understand that really they are segmented between those five covenants, yes, then you'll begin yes. to understand how and why God acted the way that he did and why it seems different in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. So, so for an example, um, we look at Abraham, and if you know the story of Abraham, remember he lied about his wife being his sister to save his life, right? Um there was no there was no commandment at that time thou shalt not bear false witness there was no there was no commandment there was no law that did not come until moses enacted the decalogue okay and and so somebody who who may not understand this can look and go well how come moses or abraham was able to lie and god didn't kill him and da 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 da, da because there was because there was no law at that time and, and so and so God had made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 17 um, and 18. It was ratified. Um, and, and so he began to come in covenant and God cannot go against his word. So because of the type of covenant that he made with Abraham, I'm just using him as an example. Um, we begin to see that there were there were certain promises that were made to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make your name great. He said, I'm going to bless your seed. And it's going to be like the stars in the sky, the sand on, you know, on the ground. Uh, he came into covenant with David. Um, he said, 
uh, I'm going, you're going to be my son. The throne shall never depart from you. Uh, and he made just different covenants. I don't have time to exhaust all of them. But what we know is what we what we hear about oftentimes is the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Ten Commandments, plus all of the Levitical laws. And so when we come into the New Testament in Matthew chapter one, the church or not even the church at that time, Israel was still under the Mosaic covenant. And so this is where we see in John chapter eight, when Jesus uh, is confronted with a woman who was caught in the act of adultery and the, the Pharisees and all those guys were like, you know, Moses and the law commands that she be stoned. But what say you? And Jesus says, um, I'm going to just draw on the sand a little bit. Look up and goes, um, he that is without sin, uh, you cast the first stone. How about that? And, and really what it was doing, it was a prophetic picture. Watch me. This was a prophetic picture because the last time we see the finger of God writing was in Exodus when he wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets. So, so here is God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, rewriting and, a, and beginning to establish a new covenant. This listen in, in John chapter 13 and people don't 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 see this. So in John chapter 13, Jesus says a new commandment. I give you a new commandment. I give you. So what he was doing is I, he says, I, I, I am changing how I am relating to you. He what he was doing is he was bringing in. He was ushering in a new covenant. And then if you remember in John 13, uh, they have communion. This is my body, which was broken for you. This is my blood, which is a new covenant, right? So, so, so Jesus is enacting that new covenant and it was ratified at the cross. So when he dies on the cross, he literally uh, uh, ratifies and seals, hallelujah, and brings everything. And when he says it is finished, he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. So what he was doing is he was completing the work of, of, of renegotiating how God and the father, or, or the father rather, would relate to humanity. Michael, listen, the people have been blessed. You can read the comments. Say, my God, what a revelation. Because it's so, it's so important we understand this. Yes. The, the church is the stoning people. Death. Yes. They are still casting stone. Why? Because they have not changed jobs. Because if you want to accelerate as we wait for his return, we must learn to change jobs. Some of them are still in job work when they are supposed to be in job six. In terms of the covenant. Yes. The new covenant we have. It's, it's important we have this new mindset so that we stop casting stone. And that's why the church is not growing. The church is military, it's not supposed to be a triumphant church, a transforming church. Yes. We are the church that is casting stone. It will amaze you in some circles today how people are still casting stone to the extent that they, they, they have problems with gender, being the pulpit, no gender equality. That's just proof that they have not changed that. They don't understand this new covenant. There was nothing wrong with the old, but the 
Right. Okay, so I mean, I, I could really keep going. I, I love this subject, and so because 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 here is here is here is an argument that people make, and I want to address this. Um, when the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, people try to use that scripture to justify treating people horribly based upon their perspective of the God of the new of the, of the old Testament rather. And so what it really should be is a revelation of the heart of the father that, 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 that he, he is consistent. He does not change, but how he deals with us changes, how he relates to us changes. And, and so what it really should do is cause you to really appreciate Jesus Christ that much more because what it says is the, the heart of the father was always redemption. The heart of the father was always restoration. The heart of the father was always love. The heart of the father, that was always his heart. And, and so in his mercy and in his grace, he allowed for certain things. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, that in times of ignorance, he winked at our sin. And, and when we were when we were without, listen, without hope, without any levels of consciousness, the Bible says that we were alienated from God in our minds. And so when we were alienated from God in our minds, when we were walking in darkness, while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God still had grace. God still had mercy on us. So so it never is not that it's not that he changes, but how he relates to us changes. And here's the amazing thing about it. The Bible tells us in Revelation that he was slain from before the foundations of the world. So, so that means then that God already had it in his heart. He already had it in his mind. He already had it in his, in his agenda that we knew we were going to mess up. Right. But, but he gave us, but he gave us the son, his son, Jesus Christ, in order to redeem us, to bring us back to that place where we can fe have fellowship with him. And I think this is a part of... Let me say something along this line. Yes, ma'am. I, I love your making emphasis on God the Father. Because sometimes people just spend the picture of God is a mad God. Mm. They, they, they agree that Jesus is love, Jesus went to the cross. They just don't understand that this the plan was the Father's plan. I don't know if you've met such group of people. They understand what Jesus come to do, but it just means God is mad, is an angry God. Right. They never associate God to the plan of redemption. They feel that Jesus just keep begging God every day. Don't, don't destroy them. God is just out on a daily basis to destroy humanity, and Jesus is just there begging. Don't 
Yes. Include the Holy Spirit in this plan of redemption. So God is not the angry God and Jesus is begging him every day to forgive humanity. No. God loves us equally. Right, absolutely. In fact, John, the most famous uh, uh, verse in the Bible, in the world, everyone knows it, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we also, we oftentimes stop there, but the next verse, verse 17 says, and God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him we might be saved. So, so I, I think what oftentimes happens is we begin to filter the father through our earthly lenses. Come on now. I hear you. We, we, we begin to look at God from our definition of what a father is and what a father does, right? The word father literally means source, right? That's literally, that's all it means. And in fact, that's why they had such a problem with Jesus because he called God his father. And what he was saying is, he is my source and I, I can only do what I see him doing. I can only say what I see him, hear him saying. So, so, there, so there is perfect unity between the father and the son. There are three that bear record in heaven. Please the word, the father. The father and son are in perfect unity. There is no, there is no division. There is no sabotaging. There is no betrayal. There is no passive aggression. They are, they are in perfect unity. There's no manipulation. They're in perfect harmony. And so everything that you see Jesus doing it was a demonstration of the heart of the Father. Of the Father. I hear you. Somebody should type that down. Anything you see Jesus doing is a demonstration of the heart of the Father. Yes. So Jesus is not begging the Father on a daily basis to have compassion and mercy on you. No. Actually, Jesus said, whatever I do is what I see my Father do. Yes. Absolutely. Jesus Yes, yes. Because so I, I heard the prophet say, God showed him the revelation during this corona. He actually saw Jesus crying, bleeding blood, begging Jesus to have, Jesus begging God the Father to have mercy upon us, to stop this debate. I see the redemption. The cross didn't take care of all this. My God, what an error. We preach today in the pulpits. Yes, you know. Uh, uh, Pastor Favor, I, you, now now you're getting me righteously indignant. <laughs> earlier earlier this year, I did a, um, a a module called Prophetic Lives Modules, and one of the classes that I taught was about understanding the difference between an old covenant or Old Testament prophet versus a new covenant prophet. And and sometimes and, and listen, I'm not a prophet, uh, so I don't mean this disparagingly. My wife is a prophetess. Um, but uh, oftentimes, if we, if, if a prophet or let me say this, or a prophetic voice does not have a revelation of new covenant, then they will prophesy out of an old covenant paradigm. When Jesus said it is finished, what he was saying is the plan of salvation and everything needed for us to live victoriously had already been completed. He satisfied the wrath of the Father. The, it's like read your Bible, folks. It said the, the it was it was poured it was it was poured upon him. 
The wrath of God was poured upon, uh, poured upon Jesus. And, and, and so uh, in, in, in Romans, it says that Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for us. And in, in Hebrews chapter five, the scripture says that Jesus was heard not because of his loud voice, but because of his reverent submission. So, so here is Jesus, our intercessor, our prototokos, our, our intermediary. Uh, Hebrews describes him as the, the mediator between uh, a, of, of a better covenant. And, and so he completed his work. And so God is not looking at us as humanity with blood in his eyes, waiting to zap us and get us and destroy us and condemn us. No, that was taken care of. If I can hear you, he sees us through the lens of redemption. Yes. Yes. The Bible says this and he, listen. I don't listen I don't hardly have anything in my notes but but listen th this is why the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation that Christ is not imputing their trespasses against them so 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 we have to really shift as a body and this is what I believe is a part of apostolic reformation is waking people up to identity is, is is giving people a revelation of who they are in Christ Jesus that that, that that how the father relates to us is not how the father related to the old covenant back in Abraham's day or Noah's day or Adam's day no we have a covenant a new covenant and it's a covenant of good things the Bible in Hebrew, uh, Hebrews uh, tells us is a covenant of good things. Yeah. And, and so, yes, better things, good things. And so when, when, so when Jesus says, see, this is, this is how messed up a lot of us have gotten in church. We are so quick to say, you know, uh, uh, um, I've come that you may have life and you come that you may have it more abundantly. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. Well, first of all, that is a misquote. There is nowhere in the Bible that says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's nowhere. It's not in there. It's not in there. That's not what the Bible. The Bible does not say the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Clutch your pearls. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. It says the. It says the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and so when you begin to look at the context of what he was saying uh, in verses number seven, eight, nine, even verse number 11, 12 and 13, he's referring to those who are false Christs. He's referring to illegitimate leaders. He's referring to hirelings. He's referring to people who are juxtaposed to the person of Jesus Christ. So he's not referring to the devil. OK, so 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 but most of us, the point that I'm making is, but but number one, we we misquote that. Someone should type that. And if you don't believe this, this argument, you go study it with the help of the Holy Spirit. You'll find that what doctor is saying to us is so true. Yeah. In John 10. Because I know it. Because, because we take we don't read the whole context. We just take a verse 
I always I always say this amazing things happen when you actually read the Bible like and I, and I mean that seriously I mean when you actually read it amazing things happen and read it with understanding Ama amazing things happen but but here's the point that I was I was going to make is first of all we oftentimes misquote John 10 and 10 the devil comes to steal kill and destroy that's not true that's not what the scripture says number one number two it seems like Right. It's not what that scripture is saying. It's not what that we scripture is saying. The devil is the old, we, hope you understand what what doctor is saying to us. I just want them to understand sure. that because they are very good in misquoting. You you're talking tense of that verse. Yes, I'm talking I'm talking yes. of that verse. And in fact, yes. Jesus said that's how we should refer to him, right? But but number one, here's what I'm trying to get to. Number one, we misquote ver, uh, John 10 and 10, number one. Number two, it seems like we take more glory in what the devil is doing versus what Jesus said he came to do. And that is to give us life and that we may have it more abundantly, right? And so listen, you're not going to have an abundant life if you are afraid if you are sin conscious if you are walking in condemnation and shame if you are walking in ignorance and in darkness that's not the abundant life that jesus came to give us yes, and, and so we have to really begin to that's why uh when i when we talk about again reformation it requires us to go back to the original intent of god that's what it means to be reformed. And that's what that word meant there in Hebrews chapter nine is to go back. And it means to straighten out because here's the truth of the matter. Um, Pastor favor. Here's, here's the truth of the matter is truth is what makes us free. Not emotion. Truth is what makes us free. Not tradition. Truth is what makes us free. Not money. Uh Oh, Truth is what makes us free. And, 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 here's the, here's, here, and here's a further truth to that truth is that freedom costs us something. And I found that a lot of times we do not embrace truth. We run away from truth. We do not want to be held accountable to truth because it's going to confront what we have believed to be. It's going to confront our traditions. It's going to confront our feelings. It's going to confront, you know, what I thought. It's going to confront, you know, what I've been taught and what people have told me. It's going to confront that. And but at the same time, a lot of times people become frustrated with God, frustrated with church, frustrated with ministry, frustrated with all things Christianity because we 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 have been. Uh, I don't want to be disrespectful, uh, but we have been so religious. We have we have been bound by religion for so long that when truth comes, we deny it and we don't want to embrace it because it literally listen, it will reform and, and, and upend right what we have been doing for so long. And, and for some people. It costs too much to walk in truth.
and some, some, in some circles, they are afraid for people to walk in their freedom. Even Jesus said that the tradition of men yes. hindered the power of God that bring transformation. You know, paraphrasing now in my own vocabulary. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, let me read a comment and I'll ask one question, then I'll leave you. Uh, Dan Thompson saying, Come on, once we understand that Jesus died as the Son of God, you know. Putting everything else he did as the son of man to show us what humanity is supposed to be. What a truth. Thank you, Sam, for being on today with me on Chase Bite. I'm so excited that you're watching and you're making comments. Please join us to invite your friend. What a great truth. We are being impacted with on tonight's broadcast of Chase Bite. My God. Let me ask you this question in light with what we're saying and the truth that we have brought to the people. What's your concept of uh, restitution? Because people still believe in restitution. You know, how does that fit into this concept of restitution? For example, I stole a, a bicycle when I was nine years old. And now I'm about, okay, let me not release that. <laughs> 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 and I got born again yesterday, and this preacher is telling me to go return that bicycle. Why well, I don't even know where I can find it. So talk to us about restitution. And the truth is, some people believe in this restitution. Help us with it, sir. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, and, and there's an old song that we used to sing. Jesus paid it all. <laughs> You know, all to him I owe. Um, and so here, here's the thing. Jesus knew you were going to steal that bike at nine. Jesus knew you were going to lose your virginity in the back of that car at 16. Jesus knew you were going to lie on that college entrance exam test. He, he knew that, right? Now, I don't want to make light of sin. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I, yeah, I don't want to make light of the sin. Yeah, but 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 here's the thing. Jesus, with all the information, all of the knowledge, all of the things that he knows that we were doing and will do, he still chose to die on the cross. So I want to give you this picture. I made reference to it earlier. John chapter eight. Here is the woman who is caught in the act of adultery. It was not alleged and, you know, I heard and maybe she is and maybe she did. I don't know. I'm not sure. She was caught in the act of adultery and how Jesus handled it is with grace. With grace. He said, he says, he that is without sin cast the first stone, right? They all left. And he looked up to the woman and said, where are your accusers? And he said, they're gone. He said, I don't condemn you, but here's, here's where restitution comes in. Here's where, here's the part that maybe satisfies that question. He says, neither do I go and sin no more. So, so Jesus never was a proponent or an endorser of sin, but he understood that grace is what is going to empower us to live a life outside of sin 
The Bible says that grace teaches us to deny ungodliness. And, and see, this is why we have to continue to have these conversations because for many years, again, the church has been hijacked by religion. We have only defined grace as a get out of jail free card. And that's not the full totality of the card because there's always two sides to every coin. There's two sides to every card. Grace covers my sin, but it also empowers me to live a different lifestyle. You know, Jesus, the Bible says in John chapter one, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. So, so it's not that the restitution comes in and says, I'm going to, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you a fourth chance, a fifth chance, but I'm also going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm also going to give you my spirit that will lead you and guide you into what? All truth or all freedom or empower you to live above the lie of sin. See, let me help somebody because I heard, I heard, I heard someone say this earlier before um, that, that sin is an illegitimate response to a legitimate need. I think it was Bill Johnson who said that. And, and so for years in religious circles, we have beat people up about their lifestyle. We have caused, we have condemned them. We have tried to shame them into change. And the truth of the matter is we have not spoken to the, the, the sin need, the, the, the void rather, that they are trying to fill with sin. And, and the thing is, if you can get people to understand their identity, if you can get people to understand the strength and the message of grace, then they will have no need of sin. Yes, sir. Then they will they, so. they don't want to sin, right? Yeah, true. Uh, when I brought that uh, matter of restitution, uh, there's this uh, PK that was about to marry a, a girl, a sister in church, that was one time a prostitute before she gave her life to Christ. But born again, you believe this same church that preached grace, you believe even the Father that preach about forgiveness, the new life in Christ, and all of that. Everybody, the deacon, but everybody was against him marrying that girl because they know her history. They know her situation pre-Christ. Now she's born again through the Holy Ghost, the new creation in Christ. That she, you know, she's in love with this speaker. And they don't, you know, allow them to, because they don't understand what we are sharing on tonight. Mm -hmm. So many people are still in that box that the cross has come to completely destroy. That's why they need a paradise sheet. And that's why we are having this essential conversation. And another situation that happened, there was a lady that uh, did abortion pre-Christ, and now she's in a marriage, I think uh, 16 years in marriage. And there's this struggle in her mind, thing because of the abortion she did previously, the lie now, the lie, the lie, they're embracing grace and truth. That's why she cannot bring forth. Many people are stuck with this. They, they need what we are saying tonight to liberate them. Because they don't understand this transformational lifestyle that has been provided by the midst of the cross. So we want them to embrace it. Because if that shit can come, I personally believe that she's going to get pregnant the next minute. 
you know, I, and I and I don't I don't know what ministry you're, you're referring to, but it's just astonishing to me that we don't even believe what we preach. Yeah, we, we don't even believe what we preach because And we cause such hearts and rebellion. To to right. And so to to really try to hold someone's past pre Christ against them is absolutely ridiculous. Um and I'm saying it in nice terms. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. And and and, and just and, but see, but here's but see, this is why reformation is so important. Because yes, this is this is why reformation is so important. Because people need to be set free from ignorance and bondage, and and status quo must be challenged. We got we got to challenge this foolishness. We got to challenge these sorts of things. Because if we don't, we'll continue to perpetuate a generation of powerless believers. Listen, I. I, 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 listen, I, I need you to hear me on this. W there are churches on every corner in some cities. There, there are churches everywhere, but we still have so much division, decay, deception. We, we still have so much debauchery and going on in, in our just in America. I can't speak for where you are, but just in America, we are so politically. It's a, we are so politically divided. We, I mean, it is just absolutely ridiculous. But the sad part about it is you will retreat to your corner and think you're right. I'll retreat to my corner and think I'm right. And, you know, we have this, this sense of self-righteousness because we can point out, you know, this one verse in the Bible that solidifies, you know, our point. And, and, and nobody is growing up. Nobody is maturing. Nobody is coming into a place where they are literally beginning to look like Christ. And I believe these conversations need to continue to happen. They need to continue to be perpetuated. Listen, I just want to I just want to say this very quickly. If you're watching us right now and you have not shared this, I just implore you, share this. Don't be selfish. Somebody needs to hear this on your timeline. Somebody needs to hear this in your on your friends list because Many people are dying and, and, and decaying in their faith and in their relationship with God because they are operating in a level of darkness and ignorance that is literally keeping them blinded from their identity. And that's my that's my heart. This is what I, I, I've literally been given the, 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 the mission and the mantle to preach and teach identity. This is one of the things that I, I believe in. This is one of the things that is important to me. And the first um, pillar that I preach concerning identity theology is that our identity is found within the context of the father. Yes, sir. And, you know, the Bible says in him we live, move and have our being. So 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 it, so my identity, first of all, begins in the mind of heaven. My identity, first of all, begins in the agenda of the father for my life. And, and so anything outside of that, I don't have a legal obligation to come into agreement with. 
whether it's sexual immorality, whether it is a, a poverty mindset, whether it is a religious mindset, whether it is people who may be struggling with same sex attraction, whether it is anybody who is uh, suffering from tr trauma in their childhood, uh, adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, uh, no matter what it is. If it does not come from the agenda and the will of God for your life, you don't have to embrace it. You don't have to embrace it. And, and so and so when we talk about, again, the, the, this whole idea of reformation, it has to begin and it has to start in the mind of God. What was God's original intent for humanity? What was God's original intent for us? Jesus said this when, when he was asked of his disciples to teach us to pray. The first thing he said is, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so, so the whole impetus of prayer, the whole impetus of, 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 of communing with the father was to bring heaven's agenda on the earth. Um, I, I always say this, Pastor uh, Favor. I said, uh, power in heaven is useless on earth. <laughs> and so people. Bring us in. Bring us in. Help us with that. So, 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 so people have heard me say that. I said, power in heaven is useless on earth. And people are like, what are you talking about? I thought you were a pastor. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is this. If I have money in my account in America and it's not in your account in Holland, it's useless to you. There, there has to be a convergence. There has to be a connection that brings the power that is in heaven onto earth. So it's, so it's useless in heaven if it's not being demonstrated on the earth. So, so, we, so, we, so we have to begin to devise spiritual and practical means by which we reveal the heartbeat, the demonstration, the power that is in heaven and make it applicable and practical here on the earth. And that can only happen through the church when we embrace this reformation. Yes, and absolutely. Raising it because it leaves the responsibility on them doing what needs to be done here. But maybe I'm still waiting on God. Yes. I tell people all the time, you are the one with the trouble here. God is not going to walk the show of your streets anymore, casting devil. No. You are now the one that's supposed to do it because the kingdom of God is in you. You are not the kingdom of God on earth. Yes. Talk to us. Let me leave you and just let you speak to us and I'll come back in a minute. <laughs> okay. I, I love what you just said. I love what you just said because I, I've often said this. Jesus is not coming back to start restart his earthly ministry again. He's not. He's not going to come back and, and start teaching in the synagogues again. He's not going to come back and start feeding people uh, fishes and bread again he's not going to do that so we have now become Jesus in the earth uh, the Bible says in Hebrew or in Romans he says that the whole creation is waiting 
for the manifestations of the weos, the sons of God, the H, the Hebrew word, or the uh, Greek word weos, the H-U-I-O-S, deals with a, a, the quality of sonship, a mature son. And that's what the earth is groaning and waiting for. And, and I don't mean this to, uh, to be shady or to be messy or cast dispersions, but, but we have spent too much time being churchy. We have spent too much time um, in color coordinating our robes, investments, and miters, and staffs, and shamirs, and all that other stuff. And, and, and if that's you, uh, more power to you. No shade. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying it is a sin. But I'm simply saying that the priority that I, I feel that God wants to bring us into is beyond our religious traditions. I, I believe that the, the reality of the matter is the reformation that God is bringing us into is, is, is literally Christ in the earth expressed through us in every sphere, through every facet of life, through every facet of industry, through every facet of, 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 of influence, of, of culture. That's what this reformation is about. Uh, God gave me a, a revelation a few years ago, uh, and it's called identity theology. Identity theology, and I don't have time to exhaust it here, um, but really, I believe that the Reformation is going to be fueled by us understanding who we are, not in the context of your denomination, not in the context of, of, of your, your tradition, not in the context of your history, but in the context of who God has created you to be. That's what this reformation is about. And it begins and it starts with, and I, and I talked about this uh, last night on one of my lives. Um, and we're talking, let me bring in the word apostolic back into this conversation because many of us believe when we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, when the apostle Paul wrote, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Many of us take on the, the pronoun our to mean the macro level church. When he said our, he was referring to the ministry gift of the apostle. When he said our, he was not referring to the church at large. He was referring to those who were apostles because we have been tasks, taxed to go out and to pioneer a truth, to bring about a, a reformation to bring about a difference in a community, in a region, to pioneer a revelation in a local group or a local body uh, or, or the body of Christ at large and begin to expand that into different spheres and to different metrons. And, and the reason I want to share that with you is because it starts with the mind. It starts with how you think. It starts with how you perceive. Jesus was interviewed by a, an, an attorney, um, I want to say it's in Luke, and the attorney was asking Jesus about a verse, and Jesus said to him, how do you read it? And what he was saying is, how do you understand it? How do you perceive it? What do you take away from what you are reading? And, and this is why we have to get back into a place where we are re-examining what we have been taught, 
re-examining those things that we have held so dear and be more in love with truth than we are with tradition. Well, I mean, if you're not my friend on Facebook, you certainly should send me a friend request today, right? Um, but um, we also have a, a, an accredited school of ministry. Uh, in fact, our first class for the upcoming semester is the 29th of this month, so you still have time to register. Um, you can go to our website, www.amiuniverse.org, amiuniverse. Um, stands for Advanced Ministry Institute, universe.org, amiuniverse.org. Um, we are teaching, in fact, I'm really, really excited because we have a new degree program called the Progressive Leader Degree. And really it's designed to push people into their future. It's literally designed to help you deal with your past, your present, and prepare you for your future from where you are going to literally be progressive. And so uh, many times, like I said, we become custodians of the past. We become custodians of tradition. We become custodians of those things. And, and then listen, and let me just be clear. I believe in honoring and respecting our past. But I believe also like when Peter uh, was on the mountain of transfiguration and he saw uh, Moses and and the other prophets, the Bible says it was Jesus alone standing there. Right. And so that Jesus trumps the the, the Moses and the in the he, he trumps all of that. And so, yeah, he, he trumps all that. Yes. Right. What God can possibly do with their own present situation. Absolutely. So so that's that's our newest uh, degree program. It's called the Progressive Leader Degree. I'm super excited about that. Uh, and then, of course, we still have uh, the traditional settings where we can um, uh, take you through a course of classes that will give you license um, and or ordination. Uh, we have an associate's degree and a bachelor degree as well. Uh, so just go to our website, amiuniverse.org, or you can inbox me directly on Facebook, uh, and I'll try to answer all of your questions as best I can. Um, we have several other means by uh, ministry uh, avenues as well. We have a consulting business called Be More Consulting, uh, where we really specialize in money, ministry, and marriage. Uh, in my secular life, uh, I was actually a banker 
for several years. I managed a bank, a bank, a bank. Uh, did loans, uh, help people, you know, refinance homes and their credit. So I have some secular expertise as far as uh, finances is concerned. Um, and so, uh, course, ministry, of course. Uh, and then we also have a marriage counseling arm of the Be More Consulting, which is doing very I well. I testimony a lot in that area. You have posted in the area of uh, marriage relationship. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, I think I'm going to work with you in that consulting area because by the grace of God, I'm also a president of the community bank where we give loans. And this past Saturday, we had a webinar of people that have been saving with us for two years and they formally and officially launched into a different dimension, expansion in their business. So we'll, 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 talk, we'll talk more on that. Well, that is Doctor for you, Doctor Mar. <laughs> come on, let's give him some love. Let's appreciate him. Let appreciate him. Let appreciate him. And some of I'm saying uh, that into. Listen, you go to my timeline. All of his information will be there. Also, you connect with him on his timeline. I'm telling you, if you're saying that uh, knowledge is too expensive, I've been there. I'll tell you, being ignorant is more expensive mm. but you don't know what you're losing right now bible said the proverb is a fool that will say i will pay the price even the price of time you've been on today it's money time is money you've been on is an investment you will pay to change your mindset your internal dialogue whereby you begin to confirm to the mind and to the plan and the purpose of god that's what this apostolic a reformation was all about giving you a different a, you know, it's a shift in your mind a different way of thinking and, and, and viewing knowing your true identity i would personally advise you to follow him and begin to take those classes and be a better version of yourself so thank you very much doctor for being on today it's so amazing that people are still hungry for the truth uh if your secretary won't get your information there my god yeah that's the contact him on facebook and uh, the information will also be on my timeline i'm just going to ask them to put it there on my timeline and if you just jump in the middle of the conversation that means you're confused <laughs> so uh, i want to see <laughs> so rewind the play go back to the beginning that you can follow through to know where we're coming from and uh, then you will agree that this is an upgrade of revelation that God is bringing to you personally or to the church, or maybe something you already know. You know, Paul talks about, uh, you know, steps as a way of reminder. Probably there's some truth we have allowed to sleep because of life challenges and situations, but tonight I think it might just be a reminder of some of the things you have allowed to sleep because of so many uh, traditions around you. You allow the truth. You want to embrace and run with to sleep. So it's been really, really intriguing. I want to thank you one more time as we pray for marriages. I see more, I see grace. You can see testimony on your pathline in this area. Oh, sorry, timeline I'm supposed to say in this area. And also pray for the coming election. Because I don't know if I'm going to have you uh, before then. I just want us to just take this moment 
and pray for the upcoming election and intercession. Can you encourage people watching? Because I have people watching from the U.S., your followers, say what to them that they should go. They don't have the right to complain about who is a power if they refuse to go vote. So say something to them in that area. Uh, first thing I, I, I just sense, and I, and I want to just share with you, if you're watching me, I just feel a sense to remind you that whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is that you're going through, and I know this year, 2020, has been uh, an extremely, extremely atypical and difficult year for all of us, uh, emotionally, financially, relationally, and otherwise. But I just want to encourage you and remind you that God has not abandoned you, that he has not left you, he has not forsaken you, he is still on the throne. And while you are going through whatever it is that you're dealing with, I know some people are suffering in different ways, um, but whatever it is that you are dealing with, I want you to know that God has not abandoned, he has not forsaken you, and he still loves you, and that there's purpose in your warfare. And God is going to begin to uh, bring you to a season where your warfare is accomplished. I, I, I want to emphasize that. I really want them to, to grab hold of that. There is purpose in your welfare. And the other point of that, your welfare is your red carpet. I hear that in my spirit. Yes, ma'am. So embrace it with grace. Embrace it with grace. I love it. Embrace my it with God, grace. Yeah, yeah, it is because when when the when when the apostle Paul was in his season of a, of his thorn, and he besought God to remove the thorn, God said, "No, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient." And when I just want to encourage you, whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is you're going through. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but God does. And he knew it before you knew it was going to happen. He knew 2020 was going to happen before you and I knew it was going to happen. And so I just want your faith to be increased. I want your walk with God to increase. I want your consecration to increase so that you can understand that there is purpose for everything that you are dealing with and everything that you're going through. And I also want to pray, as the woman of God said, I want to bless marriages tonight. I want to pray for marriages. I want to just speak a word uh, into uh, all of those wives and husbands that are on here tonight, uh, that God wants your marriage to work. God wants your marriage to work. And it is going to be difficult at times. And we are going to have those rough patches and we're going to have those seasons where you want to leave and you want to go away. But I want you to be reminded of Ephesians that tells us that marriage between a man and a woman is a picture between Christ and his church. And he gave himself for the church. And so it is a picture of the of of the of just the faithful love that we are to have towards one another. And so I just want to encourage you that you might be in a bad season in your marriage, but it is just that a season. It is not the end. It is not the summation. And just as God has changed your life and has brought you out and has strengthened you and helped you, he's going to do the same. He can do the same for your husband or your wife. I don't know. Your, your husband or your wife may be unsaved. Your husband or your wife may be 
uh, on drugs or, or or addicted to something um, that is harmful to them and obviously harmful to the marriage. But I want you to believe in the God that can do the impossible. I want you to believe I'm joining my faith with yours right wherever you are. I just believe that God can turn it around. Whatever you're dealing with, God can and will turn it around. And listen, hopefully by now you know I am not just speaking churchy jargon. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I sense. I'm telling you what God is able to do. God can change things in a day. God can break the heart of your husband. God can change the heart of your wife. He can switch it around. He can cause anything that is an impediment to be broken. Many of you, many of us are fighting against generational uh, curses, but God wants to release generational blessings and give you grace to break those curses. Many of you did not see good marriages. Many of you don't know who your father is, or maybe your mother was not a great example of a wife, but God is gracing you to be a curse breaker, that God has given you the stick-to-itiveness. God has given you the fortitude, the courage, the bravery to keep going, to break that curse, to, to come out of the curse of selfishness, to come out of the curse of, 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 of condemnation and shame, the, the curse of manipulation the curse of adultery, the curse of pornographic addiction. God has given you the grace to break all of that and cause there to be a reconciliation and cause there to be a, a, a coming back together, a forgiveness, a mending where there has been brokenness. God wants to change that. And last but not least, the woman of God asked that we pray for the elections. And I'm going to do that um, particularly here in America, because America uh, uh, a lot of times is a the forerunner for how the rest of the world begins to move. And so we're going to pray and we're going to believe God. We are less than 30 days, less than a month away from our elections here in the States. Uh, just November the 3rd is the day of our elections. And so we're going to believe God that God would do something tremendous in America. I don't I, listen. I'm not pro-Trump or pro-Biden. I am pro-kingdom. And I believe that God wants to do something in America. At the beginning of the year, I prophesied and I prophesied because I had the word of the Lord. And he said that there was going to be, this is going to be uh, a time and a season where we're going to begin to see racial reconciliation. And we're going to begin to uh, see something significant political happen. I prophesied that on December 31st, 2019 into 2020. And I believe that. But whenever God speaks, the Bible says that the word of God breaks the rocks into hammers. The word of God comes to confront. And what I believe, and I feel this prophetically, what I believe that we are seeing is, and what we have beginning, what and what we have seen this year is beginning to see a breaking of the hearts and the breaking of principalities and the exposure of things that are going on behind the scenes. And before God, hallelujah, before God brings healing and restitution and before God brings those things, he's going to confront the nastiness. He's going to confront the disorder. He's going to confront the chaos. And so that's what we have seen in 2020. This is the beginning of the best year years of your life. This is just, listen, everything that has been out of order is God's way of bringing it into order. All the chaos, and listen, the, the prophet said in Isaiah that God creates light and darkness. 
God creates darkness. God allows darkness in our life. God allows a season of darkness to bring about his will, his agenda. And in our humanity, it doesn't feel good. In our humanity, it does not, it does not sit well with us. But if you put on the mind of Christ and you begin to see things through the lenses and the filters of the Father, you will begin to know his will. You will begin to know his plan. You will be comforted in knowing that what God has declared way back in eternity past is not changing. What God has already said about you, it is settled, it is established. And, and so we just join our faith that God will cover our elections, that God's heart and his mind and his agenda will be accomplished in America, but that his heart and his mind and his agenda will be accomplished in the earth. So, Father, we just agree with you. We thank you, Father, for that. what you're doing. You have plans for us. You have good plans for us. You have plans of peace. You have plans to prosper us. You have plans to give us a hope and a future and an expected end. We thank you, Father, that you're changing things around in our mentality, that you are ruffling our feathers, that you are causing us to question things. You are causing us to be upset, not for our detriment, but for our alignment. So Father, we come into agreement with you. We thank you for doing it. We honor you, Lord. We come into agreement and we say, yes, Lord. One more time. We say, yes, Lord. We say, we submit to you. We say yes to your will. We say yes to your way. And we thank you, Father, that what you have began, you will accomplish it. What you have began, you will accomplish it. That he that began a good work in us will accomplish it. You are not going to leave us. You are not going to forsake us. You are not going to cast us down. But Lord, we thank you tonight. We honor your presence. We thank you. Hallelujah. That you will accomplish what you have set out to accomplish. And it is so in Jesus name. We decree these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.